Is that what you expected? Here's the deal with parables that we're learning, aren't we? We think uh, they can be like a beautiful Christmas package wrapped all neatly with tight creases and a beautiful bow. But they're not like that at all. In fact, they're more like your living room on Christmas morning when everything is tossed into piles, wrapping paper and tissue paper and receipts and boxes all askew. Because in parables, everything we expect, well, gets undone. And frankly, today, when you hear this story from Matthew about judgment, maybe about the end time, if you're not feeling a little heat on your seat right now, you're probably deciding not to listen. And I want to start here today um, just to give you a little snapshot of Matthew. Scholars believe that Matthew was actually writing to a small group of people, and they were Jews who had decided to become Christians. But they're still living in a time with Jewish people and a Roman culture, and they're struggling to find their way. How did they integrate their established Jewish faith that they've grown up in, but also adopt this new way of living, of truly believing that Jesus of Nazareth is the Messiah, Jesus who was died, who died and was raised again, is truly Lord. How do they integrate these two things? And so there's conflict and there's persecution. And as Matthew is writing this gospel, he knows that they need to hear about a God that actually cares about the things they are going through right now. But it's great to know that little snippet about the context of the book, but it doesn't leave us off the hook because the story wasn't just written for the people in Matthew's time. It's written for us today, too. Now, I want to uh, talk about this. It's quite interesting that Jesus says the kingdom of God is like a wedding feast. Who's been to a wedding reception here? Let me see your hands. Probably all of us. It's the biggest party any of us will ever host. And in our culture, it's a multi-million, maybe even a billion dollar industry and all the options that are out there for weddings. But if you've been to a wedding reception, you realize that people don't hold much back. It's special dresses and it's tuxes and it's huge reception halls or venues that you have to book like a year in advance and it's clinking glasses of champagne, and it's multi-course dinners, and it's like the best cake you'll ever have with buttercream frosting. And of course, right, it's the best dance music ever. Come on, you guys.
awesome. You guys know what I'm talking about when you're going to the best party ever. So have you ever thought that this life of faith, Jesus says in this story, is like a wedding feast. It's like the greatest party. And it's not meant to be for some time in our lives after we die and then we go to the party. The party is meant for now. Have you ever thought about that? And it's a party that we don't want to miss. So, as we saw in the drama, the invitations get sent out and they're opened and they're deeply personal. Did you hear the words in that? It's almost like they are speaking to the recipient's heart. They're talking about having meaning in life, waking up with a purpose in life, knowing that life is more than just the things that we do, that we're part of a greater whole, that it's about caring for other people and entering into their lives and knowing that we're contributing in a way that we're supposed to contribute. But like the people of Israel and like the people that we heard and saw in the drama, even after the best invitation ever, we decline it. And why is that, you think? Why do we decline this invitation? What do you think? Why do we decline it? We're afraid, yes. What is this thing I'm being invited into and how can it change my life right now? We're scared, absolutely. Why else? It could be people that we don't know. You got it. Shirley said we're too busy. It's sitting on our desk and we don't even open it because we have too much going on. I think all of those reasons are right on the mark. But you know what we hear in this story? God is determined to fill the dance floor. So even if the original recipients of the invites decline, and they did, God goes out literally into the streets and he invites the good and the bad we hear and he brings them into the party. But then something happens in this story that's really odd. Everyone's having a great time and then the king, God notices that there's this one guy and he's not wearing a wedding robe and God doesn't show mercy like we would expect God to do, like tapping him on the shoulder in the buffet line saying, excuse me, you're not wearing the right thing, you go better go get it on. No, God rips him out from the party and throws him into outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. When you hear that in the Bible, they're talking about judgment. They're talking about a living hell. So what does this all mean? What is this wedding robe supposed to be about? And it makes us wonder, okay, if we say yes to the party, are we gonna make the cut when we get there? What does it take to stay at the party? I wanna tell you a story. It was just last year, just about a year ago. Um, my best bud, Paige, um, called me. We both went to the University of Montana together in Missoula and she called me and she said, Beth, can you come to Billings next week? It's a surprise. Well, we continued our phone conversation and she let me in on the secret and the secret was that her and Jim, her boyfriend, had decided to get married. 
and they were planning a surprise, and the surprise was this. They invited 30 of their family and friends, their closest friends, and they simply invited them over for dinner on Tuesday, February 18th, 2014. Nobody knew that anybody else was invited, and no one knew they were gonna get married. They just simply said, come over to our house for dinner on Tuesday night, can you make it? And the plan was this. When everybody got to the door, they were given this little card. Here's a picture of, of Jim and Paige. And it says, we are getting married tonight, and you are here because you are a part of our life, and we love you. Now, I want to show you a picture of the reaction of one of Paige and Jim's friends. Isn't that the best? So she's holding the card, and that is her reaction. So as people came in, Paige's sister said, go to Jim and Paige's church, which was just down the street in Billings. And so we all gathered at the church, and when we received this card, we were each given these Montana Love t-shirts, and the girls got red, and the guys got gray. And here's a couple pictures of, there's little Chimera. She had a little love onesie. And then here's a picture of Paige and her dad, Dick, and her mom, Marsha. Her parents didn't even know. So we all were at the church wearing our love t-shirts, and I have to tell you, there wasn't a dry eye in the place. And we were all in awe, and five minutes later, the wedding started, and Paige and Jim were married in front of all of us wearing jeans and their own Montana love t-shirts. And we all sat there and thought, this is amazing. We all were expecting dinner, and instead, we were at the wedding of Paige and Jim. And then we headed to this great local restaurant. They had a loft, and we all gathered here, and we had, little, we had the great dinner, and we had little cakes with buttercream frosting, and we all clinked our glasses full of spirits and toasted to this most incredible day. And I have a picture of the reception. There we all are uh, with our love t-shirts on. And I have to tell you this. There was none of us there that night that would have dared to take off our shirt. We just literally put it on, on top of what we were wearing to their dinner at their house. And the reason for that was this shirt was proof of this transformation that we had all experienced. It was a sign of being totally unexpected about what a day could bring. And it was really cool because as we go to the restrooms or we'd mingle around the restaurant, everyone would say, what's the deal with the t-shirts? And so we all got to replay the events of that day and share our stories again. And I think all of us in our minds that night thought this, if we hadn't responded to the invitation, we would have missed Paige and Jim's wedding. Now, I love my red shirt, and every time I wear it, I'm brought back to that day and what that was all about. And it was anticipation, and it was love, and it was bringing people together, and it was sharing in the life of someone else and reflecting back what your relationship means to that person, and this new beginning for people, and being part of a collective whole. And so I wonder in some way, as we're trying to figure out what this wedding robe means in this parable, could this love shirt that I'm talking about be the wedding robe? Something happens to us 
when we encounter this feast that Jesus is talking about, this feast of grace, this feast of love and hope, and it transforms us and we are changed. And so I want you to think for a moment in your life, what is a moment for you when you've felt a little heaven come down into your life? And you knew at that moment in whatever it was, this is good and this is probably God. Think about that for a moment. When is a moment from you that you felt a little heaven coming down to earth in your life? I think at that moment, you were wearing a love shirt. You were wearing the wedding robe. You were at the feast that God is talking about. And it wasn't probably the best day of your life. It was something that was laid out right in front of you, but you chose to say yes. You chose to be present and show up. And there this great feast was right in front of you. And you know what's so cool about this story? It ties back to other things in scripture, especially to this image of this wedding robe. In Galatians, we hear that in a way, we are clothed in Christ. We actually put on God. That's what we're talking about. And so as we have uh, danced now in worship and sang a little Maroon 5 and a little Abba, um, and a little village people there. Um, it's interesting to me that some people find the Christian faith completely irrelevant or they don't think it's useful or it's humdrum. It's just something that they go through the motions and they check off. They're missing the fact that God is inviting them to a feast that is set before them. And I think part of it is engaging in the world and saying, God, what do you want me to be about? What are you up to in my life? And what are you up to in the world? And actually being present and participating in our own life. And what we hear in this parable is that God is so intent on filling that dance floor that he keeps inviting us. He wants us to fully engage in this invitation to live, to put on a new life, a changed heart, new eyes, and receive this abundant feast that is set in front of us. And so what does that mean for you in your life right now? Another cool scripture from Colossians, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. You know what? God never stops inviting. And he has given us the free will to decline, to continue to think that how we're going on our own right now, trying to solve our own problems our own way, we think that's the way to abundant life. But God says, trust in me. You are created with a purpose and a meaning, and I want you to unite you with others in this great wedding feast. And so what if we decide each and every day, put on the wedding robe, show up at the party, put on the red love shirt, and notice what is right in front of us in this feast that we're invited to partake in.
God's unmerited grace and mercy can surprise us, but it's given to us. And so tonight, I hope you hear that you're invited and you really don't want to miss this party. Amen. Let's sing.